From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your host, Steve Politi, and Rutgers Insiders, Keith Sargent and James Cratch. Let's start shopping. Hello, everybody. Steve Politi from NJ Advanced Media, joined as always by Keith Sargent, James Cratch, the Rutgers Rant. Guys, I got to tell you, it was like Christmas before Labor Day on Saturday, the best way I could describe it. Nice weather. A, re, a good crowd, people in a football stadium, which is a, a big enough deal, a blowout win, and then, and then it's just a juicy storyline, fellas. I love a good juicy storyline. Uh, we've got so much to talk about, but we're going to start with the new kid. I, I don't think there's any other way we can do it. Uh, Gavin Wimsat on campus now. He he's got he played a game on Friday night in Owensboro, Kentucky. Drove up Saturday and Sunday. Got here. He he's. He can practice. He might not, but he can. He's gonna go. Has to get settled in his dorm room. Has to do all of these things that we took. You know, that took most normal kids. You know, an entire summer to get through. He's gonna try to do it in the weekend. I mean, you've had some time to think about it, Cratch. What are your overall thoughts about what's happening with this kid, and 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 how it relates to just the acceleration of college football? And what it means for the program? Well, I think what it means for the program is I think I wrote this on Saturday morning after a unexpectedly late Friday night. It could change everything about this season for Rutgers. It could change nothing. I think it definitely changes 2022 and beyond for them. You know, look, this is the new era of college football. I mean, it's kind of crazy that Rutgers is only the second school in America in history to do something like this, to have a, a high school player uh, come in, you know, a year early rather than a semester early, like, that, you know, normally happens with early enrollees. I think, you know, even you compare it to the thing at Ohio State with Quinn Ewers, he was a guy who didn't even, like, play high school football for his team his senior year. He got it done before training camp even started, whereas now Gavin Wimsett was literally playing a high school football game on Friday night. And on Tuesday, we're taping this before practice on Tuesday, he conceivably will be at practice with a Big Ten Amazing. football team. Amazing. Yeah. And and uh, you have to give us tremendous restraint in the media for waiting five whole questions after Rutgers – you know, pants temple by 47 points before we asked about him. Um, Sarge, my takeaway was this, and then tell me if you agree with this. Uh, as, as Greg Shannon was relating the story of how this went down, uh, he told us that the family asked, how can we do this? And, uh, and then Shannon went through and, and, and figured it out. To me, that, that's the key thing that that's a very important point, because at that point, Greg Shiano could have said, whoa, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, mom. Let's let's tap the brakes here. That might not be a great idea. You know, like, this is a big this is a big year for the kid to be in high school. Uh, instead, he, he wanted clearly wanted them in wanted them on campus, wanted them in the program. I, I think to me, that means he can play. Do you disagree? Um, I, I thought we, we would get into this at some point. I think he's going to play him. Yeah, I don't think he's going to ever start a game this season, but I think there will be a role. Sean Gleason's history, Cratch alluded to it. Sean Gleason's history, you know, he has played multiple quarterbacks in the season at Princeton. He did it a year ago. Uh, Sean Gleason likes to, to to toy around with, with with the quarterbacks, and I think Gavin Wimsat will have a package at some point. Whether it's, uh, I think it could come as early as Delaware. I mean, if you if you get him, you know, you know, the right. These are the, the 10 plays, 10 things that you need to know. I think he could play against Delaware. Um, will he start a game? I don't think he'll start a game. Um, I, and here, here's the thing, guys. I, I, you know, I, I, this is the first time I actually really uh, – I figured I'd 
I, I would have to do in like three months or four months once he actually got here. But I actually did watch some of his film. Okay. And I think the kid's going to be awesome. I think the kid is going to be, you know, a potential NFL guy. That being said, I think it's going to be really hard for him. Um, from not only, you know, just learning the playbook and learning what defenses do, but just completing a pass. This is a kid who completed, I think, 56, 55 percent of, of, of his passes. You know, it's hard to complete a pass in, in, in college football. I know I know that sounds silly, but it, it is hard to complete a, something as simple as a bubble pass. I mean, the four best quarterbacks, most talented quarterbacks I've seen at Rutgers in my time covering it, Tom Savage, D.C. Jefferson, Jonathan Lewis, Barstakowski, all struggle to complete a, a, something as simple as a bubble screen because of the timing and everything. So it's hard to complete a pass. Um, I think it's going to be difficult for him to, to, to be able to kind of really uh, figure it all out. But I do think that they'll, they'll, they'll give him, you know, a package. Kratz, what do you, what do you think his role is going to be? I think Sarge, like I go back and forth on one hand, it would be very easy for Greg Schiano to just say, he's not going to play this year, guys. We're just going to get him acclimated. Maybe he'll play at the end of the year if an opportunity presents itself. Greg has not done that. No, he has not. So, you know, it's, it was very easy. And even like Ryan Day at Ohio State, I mean, I don't think he came out and directly said it, but he basically even said, like, look, this is not – Quinn Ewers is not in the fa- – factoring in here right now, guys. So, the fact he hasn't said it to me, I mean, I don't think we're going to get to a point where it's a full-on quarterback competition and Wimsat's starting games necessarily by the end of the year. But if you look at the schedule – mid-October he's got a couple weeks of practice you go to Northwestern you have an open date you go to Illinois Northwestern Illinois are not exactly you know you're not going to Death Valley you know, LSU on a Friday night there Saturday night there like those are not imposing road venues you're home against Wisconsin you go to Indiana again not exactly an imposing road venue you probably don't want to have the kid play against Penn State necessarily on the road if you don't have to. Then you're home against Maryland. So I don't think we're going to see him against Delaware. I don't think we can eat, We could see him against Syracuse. I think it would be very foolish to give him his first career action against Michigan or Ohio State. So my guess is that mid-October is probably when we would start to realistically see him play. He can play it up to four games and take his red shirt. I think that's something they could do. Maybe it's some package work, which I think would be fascinating because if you're going to have a Gavin Wimsett package and you're going to have a Johnny Langan package, that's a lot of cooks in the kitchen if Noah Vettel is still the starting quarterback. So I think he's going to play it to some extent. I don't know what that is. But the bottom line is whether he plays or not, the whole complexion of 2022 and beyond has changed because this guy is going to be the starting quarterback at Boston College next fall in the season opener. I don't see how right. any way that he's not the starting quarterback, which means yeah. what happens to Noah Vedrill, what happens to the backups, what happens with the recruiting class, do they have to get another quarterback? So I think that's the big picture. Whether he plays or not this year, he is the starter week one next season. And what, what is the trickle-down effect from there? Yeah, I, I think the answer is totally dependent on what this team looks like. And and if, if Noah Vedro plays like he did against Temple, then I think Gavin Wimsat will start a game this year. I, I, because two things are going to happen. One, the team is going to go into a tailspin, and now it, it's going to be in a position where it, you know it, it's playing for next year anyway. If if they have quarterback performance like that again against good teams, uh, and and two at that point, well, why not? Why not rip? Why not rip the pill? Give him a shot. I mean, you've got nothing to lose if you if you're having quarterback play that's uh, that's below par, and and you feel like. 
like this kid is the future and you're getting ready for, you know, you're already looking toward 2022. I would, I would certainly uh, expect to see him starting a game late in the year. I really would. And again, I'm not saying that's going to happen. It could, I think Noah Vegel's better than the quarterback we saw against Temple. If he comes down, he plays well, you know, this week against Syracuse, you know, if he has one of those games like he had against Michigan, well, then this really isn't, you know, Shadow's not going to pull this, his junior captain uh, and replace him if he's playing well. But if it goes the other direction, uh, it certainly would not surprise me at all. All right, let's let's dive into Temple, guys, because you know it's funny how we we just kind of very quickly brushed off a forty-seven point victory for this team. I mean, uh, which was an impressive, you know, this is something that wouldn't have happened a couple of years ago. And and, and I get it. I believe it. I got tons of emails and texts from people. You know, this is Temple. Come on, it's Temple. It, it, but it wasn't. It's not Temple's not Morgan State. You know, this is still a D one school. Uh, I think the outcome, regardless of the opponent, would have been unthinkable before. So let me ask you this, Cratch. How much of this was Rutgers being better than we thought, and how much of it was Temple being awful? In your opinion, it's a great question. I mean, look, Temple's horrible. I mean, guys, start passing the hat now to get get that eight million dollars and get rid of Rod Carey. Right away on Rod Carey. Right no away. way. Oh my Ooh. goodness. Uh, not, Poor guy. I will say this though, like if one the quarterback doesn't get hurt, you know, it seemed like Temple was starting to find its groove a little bit in the second half. You know, Greg Giano spoke about it after the game, that kind of critical moment where they were knocking on the door. They got to within, you know, two scores, and Rutgers kind of ran away from there. I thought the Rutgers defense was sensational. Um, I think they they had a big role to play in the fact this was a 47-point win because think about all those short fields, you know, special teams and defense, the Rutgers offense was gifted and able to punch in. You know, I think they had something like five or six scoring drives that were 55 yards or less. That's a big role in, in getting the 60-plus points, winning by 47 points. You know, the offense, I was a little disappointed with the offense. I thought a lot of times they kind of looked like they did last year. A little smoke and mirrors. Offensive line was very inconsistent. Didn't get a great push. I thought it was really concerning that Isaiah Pacheco really didn't have a big day. I thought that was, to me, going into the game, that was a big thing to look for if Pacheco had a big day on the ground. I think I would have felt, okay, this offense is ready to take that next step. It was the same thing. You know, he's getting tackled in the backfield. They're trying to bounce him out outside, and he's getting caught from behind. So, yeah, I, th- I think Temple's pretty bad. I think Rutgers is solid. I think their defense played really well. But if they don't take the ball away five times every week, I'm not sure if – you're going to get the same competitive effort against some of these. Sarge, give me your thoughts on that. Was it Temple being bad or was it Rutgers being better? Uh, Rutgers being better. Um, I think they're really, really, really? good. Two, two of the three phases in football. I mean, special teams also. I mean, I'm surprised. I can't believe the restraint that, that Cratch had not bumping the Wimsat uh, segment to, to talk about Adam Corsak and that punt, you know, to start the game. What a weapon. I mean, I, that, you know, it leads to the safety. They are so solid in special teams, and, and it's not surprising because Cratch and I were at, at, at a lot of the at, at training camp practices, and the amount of time that they spend on special teams is, is you know, unparalleled to any other, you know, uh, coaching tenure, uh, coaching regime that I've seen at Rutgers. I mean, it's uh, yeah, so I think two of the three phases are really solid in offense. Look, I mean, I, I went back to watch the tape. Noah Vedral looks to me like a guy who is in some ways afraid to commit a turnover, if that makes sense. I mean, I, you know, there, there were a few opportunities to get the ball, uh, stress the ball down, down the field. He threw it away. Um, you know, all the talk about, you know, the ball is a program. Like, I think he, you know, he just wants to, 
either his, his instinct now is to either throw the ball away or to tuck it and run it. Now he is effective as a runner. And we talked about that. Um, you know, that was one thing that we didn't see during training camp that I was looking forward to, you know, if he can get him 50 plus yards every week, he's going to be effective. So you have to look at the total package. And again, I think Graciano, um, you know, I've known the guy for a long time. He hates interceptions. He hates fumbles. He hates turnovers. So, you know, Noah Vedral in some ways could be, you know, his ideal quarterback for this team, you know, that, that, you know, is going to play winning defense every week and is going to, you know, win, win the battle on special teams. You know, Noah Vedral just looks like a guy right now at this point who's, you know, not going, he's going to do everything he can not to commit a turnover. Right. And I think there's some nerves. Or it's up, it's up, he wasn't, he's a better quarterback than that. I mean, at the start of the game, you know, there's just a couple of plays where it's just, a, it's just playing catch with his receiver and he, he threw the ball over the, the kid's head. So, I mean, I, I just, I have to believe that, that this, this was a case of nerves. Um, a lot of things surprise me in this game. And I think most of them are the surprises for me are, are players we didn't see. Um, two receivers, Shameen Jones, Isaiah Washington. We didn't see any Josh Youngblood, who was a, who was a big deal when he transferred in. No Giovanni Haskins, at least as, as pat, catching passes. We didn't see the backup quarterbacks until the very end. But I'm sure that's partly because of how Vedral had played to that point. Um, Kratz, as you go through this, uh, looking at who did, who didn't play, who did play well, who didn't play well, were there, were there other surprises for you? You know, I was I was very surprised by how involved Aaron Young was, especially when Kyle Monagai was also very involved, you know, and involved. And it's kind of tough because it, it was a blowout. But as you said, they had the starters on the field so long that you really can't say, oh, Monagai's time was garbage time. Because he was on the field with the starting unit. So I thought Monagai was a guy who I, I knew he'd had a good camp, but I didn't know he'd get as involved in the offense as he did. You know, obviously, if, if they hit that fade pass that has in, in the back of the end zone, I think we're, we're thinking about his day differently. You know, Shamin did play. I was surprised Isaiah Washington was not as impactful. Uh, Brandon Sanders, the Bucknell transfer, got in, had a catch. So I think that's something noteworthy. I think we're going to see him as the season goes on. On the defensive side of the ball, I thought Ifan Maja, the uh, Temple transfer who was kind of dinged up for a lot of training camp, he was very active. I was very impressed by him. You know, Max Melton had a huge day. I think we're going to talk about the Melton brothers in a second. I thought Mike Turnoff played well. So they had a lot of guys involved, especially on offense. I, I forget the name off the number off the top of my head, but double digit guy is getting touches, which I think is going to be interesting if they continue that pattern. And we're just going to see a situation where, you know, a guy like Shameen Jones has to have a catch one week and he has six the next. And then a different guy kind of isn't as, as involved, but I, I think that, Overall, I, about what I expected to see, the guys who were involved uh, was a little bit surprised that we didn't see more of Washington because he had a really big training camp. All right, gents, let's drive in, dive into true or false. We've got some more, some more of this that we can, uh, we can talk about. Uh, you know the rules. True or false? The biggest concern on this team remains the offensive line. James Cratch, true or false? True. Sorry, it's true or false? True. Oh, okay, well. The next one was true or false? No, forget the Temple game. Run defense is still the biggest concern of this team. You guys disagree that it's not run defense? All right, I'll go to the next one because this is where I was going to say true. True or false? It's the quarterback, stupid. That's the biggest concern of the team. For me, that's a true after this game. I get it. He's going to be better than he was. But right now, I thought the line gave him enough protection to be better than he was. So that's my true. We'll we'll dive into that in a minute. Uh, True or false? Bo and Max Melton could end up being the best sibling combo in Rutgers history. Cratch. Rutgers history. You're doing a false right away, Sarge. I know I'm going to say false. Yeah, false. Come yeah. false. Just because right. they're, they're only going to have played together two years, and Max was a freshman for one of them. 
Who is the best brother? Hard to overtake McCourty's. McCourty's, of course. Hard to. I mean, Devin. Devin was pretty good. It's never going to be overtaken, huh? I like that. Devin would be hard to overtake. And Jason Jason was really good. We've talked about this already. I know. I know. Sarge's answer to this. You know, my answer to it. Cratch. Gavin Wimsat will start a game before this season is over. True or false? I'll say false. All right. True or false? The best running back on this team is Kyle Manangai. Cratch. True or false? False. Sarge? False. But the one thing that Crash didn't uh, mention, I'm surprised because he did do the film review, but Monagai uh, was in the game on that fourth and one in the first quarter as a blocking guy. So they yeah. trust that kid they a do. lot. I, I Not only he was runs. he getting like prime carries, but he was in as a blocking back on that fourth and one. So th- that's a guy that they trust. He's a little wrecking ball. I don't know. I'd like to, I'd like to see more of him. I get it. Pacheco's the good starter, and that's not going to change, but I want to see more of him. All right, true or false, Illinois stinks. Northwestern stinks. Even Indiana stinks. Six wins is going to be a lot easier than we thought. Cracked, true or false? False. Sarge, true or false? True. Oh, there you go. Okay. I'm going to go true as well. Uh, and finally, true or false, Rutgers might win its first NCAA title this year in women's soccer. Cratch, true or false? True. I mean, a couple weeks now, I think Penn State's coming to Piscataway. Game of the year the in the Big Ten. If they win that, this this oh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. They just didn't score a lot of goals. They are scoring. Yep. They are scoring a ton goals. of goals. Yeah, it's amazing. Sorry, you're going true or false on that one. I'm going to go. Well, I I I should. I don't have the time to research it. I'm not going to pull Mike Francesa and and and, and do the internet reset. But the only thing I will say, field hockey, field hockey, two field ranked hockey. wins, Duke oh boy. and yes. UConn, and they had the Big Ten tournament at home. Wow. Rats. I mean, they have the NCAA tournament at home. Uh, Cratch, I mean, field hockey um, tournament ahead of women's soccer. Could they conceivably have field hockey win, win it before women's soccer? Could both win? Well, both? Or, oh this, I would say field hockey winning the Big Ten, definite could do it. I would say women's soccer looks like the better national championship contender right now, which I, I believe agree. was the point of the true-false question. Right. Interesting. All right. Good. Good job, guys. All right. So, uh, you both still are down on the line, though. I mean, that that's your. Uh, I I didn't think it was bad. I guess you know if the running game, the block, if running block wasn't great. I thought I thought Fedra had enough time. Cratch, what did you what did you see that makes you still concerned about the line? They're just very up and down. And I go to the running game, and I, I think that you you've got to run the ball. You know, this is an offense that wants to establish the run, wants to run the ball, wants to get up to the line quick, go go go. And it just the run blocking just wasn't there. I mean, there were some plays where just Pacheco had two guys on him before he even basically got the ball from Vedral. It's just inconsistent. Look, I think the run defense is a huge concern, especially this week. Was when when Chiano at his press conference was like, you know, they're basically running a triple option. Well, we all know what happened the last time they played an offense that basically ran the triple option. Now. Tommy DeVito is nowhere as fleet of foot as Isaiah Williams was for Illinois, but still, I mean, we saw that up, you know, that was just a disaster last season. So I think that's a big concern, but that line just not getting a push. And then at some point they have to throw the ball down the field and that's going to require Vegel to drop back and have time. And I just don't know if they're going to have that time because so much of their passing game was predicated on short hits against Temple. You know, I think that, from what I saw, that Bow Mountain touchdown play is going to have to be a basically Rutgers offense this year. Dink, 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 boom, Bow hits a play in space and makes something happen, or Crookshank or, or Shameen. I think that's going to be what they're 
long downfield passing game is going to be a quick hitch that Bo can then turn into a big gain. Sorry, I thought, that, as you mentioned before, the special teams would have been great against anybody they played, including Ohio State. I mean, Korsak, Krushank are elite players against any level of competition. I thought the offense was going to be, if you, if you had that performance, would be bad against anybody they played. Uh, the defense, I'm not sure. I mean, so if that run defense, if that defense was playing Syracuse, do you think that, that, that the run defense is, is good enough to stop a, a, a better opponent? The run defense... The wait and see. I mean, I I, I just I, I can't commit to saying that they're they're way better. I will say this that, um, and I've said this all along. They're starting eleven is a Big Ten caliber unit. Uh, depth was the one thing where I, I especially on the defensive line, they rotated a lot of guys and, and played a lot of guys on the defensive line, um, including the freshman uh, Keontae Hamilton, who who we could finally say you know he's going to play this year, and I think he's going to be one of the, the more fascinating storylines. Cratch will be all over it at some point because you know he was a wrestling kid and you know a, a stud. Um, so. You know, from from a linebacker perspective, really, really impressed. O three, you know, could 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 contend for uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. You know, yeah, that, that yeah. up, he he was amazing. Um, and then you know the corners too. Um, again, I, I'd be depth. You know, in, in the in defensive backfield would be another concern. All right, guys, great job on true or false. Uh, let's dive right into insider questions where we got some more. Some more. It's funny. I asked. I asked our Rutgers tech tech service people. Um, you know, give, give me some questions, and we're going to cover Wimsat. Don't worry, we're going to cover Wimsat. Well, eighty percent of the questions are Wimsat. Not surprisingly, it's all anybody wants to talk about. So uh, we cover from a bunch of different angles in here. Um, the first one is 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 this: How do you see the current state of the offensive line playing into Wimsat's playing time and success? Watching his highlights, he has time or is scrambling quite a bit by, by that in high school. Will he be able to do that behind this offensive line? I think it's a Michigan or Penn State defensive line. Cratch, I mean, I, 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 mean, I guess the mobility helps, but I don't think you know, the way this Rutgers offense wants to play is having the, this kid run around there for, for seven seconds. No, not at all. That's not the plan. And I think that when you talk about a Michigan defensive line or Penn State defensive line, I think that if they're going to play him, they should be creative and they should make it so he doesn't play those defensive lines. You know, I think that's the you know how you can kind of work around that. Maybe you kind of – if you have four games, you pick and choose spots. But, look, the thing I'll say about Wimsat is, you know, obviously I saw him in person. Thank goodness we went to Kentucky when we did was that he's very fast. He can do a lot of things with his leg. He's not a running quarterback. I'd even say that Vedral is more of a running quarterback than he is. Now, he can run and pick up yards if he wants to, if he needs to, but he's not – his first read is to stay – try to make something happen, you know, keep the play alive to throw downfield. Interesting. All right, so uh, another question related to that, Sarge, with Wimsat in the program, there are high expectations. Looking into 2022 – do we have the offensive line to give him a chance in the backfield and the skill players to make plays for him? Because we are losing a lot of starters next year. It, it's an interesting point. You know, this might be the best collection of skill players. He, he, you know, this is, it's, it, what, what happens next year? Is, is there going to be enough people surrounding him to be a success when he, when he starts against Boston College? Yeah, that's a great question. That really is a good question. Um, Nick Crimmin, I think, will, will he have a year seven of eligibility to play center? <laughs> exactly. um, the kid's 33. At this uh, point, right? I, 
I, I think in in some ways, you know, if, if Greg Ciano, you know, could draw it up from two years ago, I think he would have said, like, it's going to take a couple of years to develop the offensive line. He has, a, a you know, a, a, the offensive line coach who he likes, who raves about uh, in a- Andrew or- Orich. You know, I think it's going to boil down to developing some of these guys who we haven't really seen yet. You know, CJ Hansen, you know, you know, is a, uh, you know, a good, good example. Holland Pierce is a guy who we already saw, you know, play, play. I think, as, you know, this season he's going to split it, you know, not split it, a full split, not 50, 50 split, but Holland Pierce is going to play. And I think, at right tackle, he's he's going to take some uh, some some game reps away from uh, Brendan Bordner, you know, especially when 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 we get into the thick of the Big Ten competition. Um, you know, Brian Felter is another guy who played last year. You know, I, you know, I I I could see him, um, you know, have, having an impact down the line. But again, it's going to boil down to development and and recruiting. And you know, Graciano, you see the emphasis that he's put on the offensive line. You know, in this current upcoming uh, recruiting class, so. Yeah, you know, it's going to boil down to those two things. I love this. We have, we have another question about the offensive line, which you already addressed, but it's from it's from Greg in Switzerland. We have we have apparently have a texter in Switzerland, so I'm just sitting here imagining what when Greg, uh, you know, on Saturdays in Switzerland, when he walks into like you know the uh, the Geneva uh, <laughs> sports bar, could you put the Rutgers game on, please? What the re- what the reaction must be there in Switzerland? Okay, that's all I got. On that one. Sorry about that. Um, all right, so watching Rutgers play on Saturday and knowing Wimsett is enrolled now, do any of your season record change predict, predictions change? That's from Bruce. Cratch, you sticking with four and eight? I am sticking with four and eight. Okay, Sarge, you sticking with five and seven? Nope. I was, uh, I was on the Not. fence with six Ooh. and six. I was close. I couldn't pull the trigger. I regret. They're going to win six games. Uh, you know, I – I'm going to stay with five and seven, but I, I will say this, that watching, I didn't watch all those games, but seeing the scores and, and I do get the sense that there are some games that we, we like Indiana, we just, we just chalk that up to as an NL. They're taking a step back. I mean, Northwestern does not look good. You know, I mean, there are more opportunities. Northwestern never looks good though. Well, yeah. All right. That's a good point. True. Yeah. But Indiana, you know, Indiana's on the road. Um, you know, that's not going to, be a, a, a menacing road environment i mean there's you know that 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 one all of a sudden suddenly comes into play too all right here's the question on game times cratch cratch on thursday said the game would not be like a noon kickoff a noon kickoff then he said it looked more possible and then it happened what was the behind the scenes on picking an actual time for the game i go back and forth about whether or not there would be more fans if it was a night game on saturday rather than a noon kickoff cratch you have any insight on this one i got it you got Sarge can go ahead. I mean, basically, uh, the answer for me, like, this one person told me, hey, it's not going to be at noon. I, and then yeah, it, it changed, you know. It was a yeah. fluid situation. There was The place was literally <laughs> underwater, guys. <laughs> it was a fluid situation. Good one. I like it. Yeah, there, were, there, were, there was a mix of people, Rutgers officials, who wanted, you know, it wasn't, you know, I mean, there were some people who wanted 12 and some people wanted, uh, you know, 7, uh, 730. And I think what it boiled down to, from a coaching staff perspective, I think they had ultimately, you know, if, if they were, if there was confidence that Route 18 was going to be cleared, which there was, you know, based on, you know, what, what all the, uh, you know, town, 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 New Brunswick officials were saying that Route 18, the way the river was going to crest, don't need to get it too much into the weeds on this, but they, they thought it was going to, you know, by, you know, Friday night, it was going to, you know, be passable and same thing with River Road that, you know, if you had a choice between 12 and 7.30, choose 12 because it's going to give you more time to prepare for Syracuse. A 7.30 game is essentially, you know, screws up your, 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 your preparations for Sunday. 
And that's Greg Siano didn't want to do that. The Rutgers coaching staff didn't want to do that. So all things being equal, I think they chose preparation for week two against Syracuse over, you know, the night game and maybe a little bit bigger of an atmosphere. Good stuff. All right. We, uh, we have one question about the, we have one question about the story in the, in the Bergen record. I don't know if you, you of course you guys saw it on Saturday. I'm not sure how many of the readers saw it. Uh, a big expose into the financial situation in Rutgers. I mean, it was, it, you know, it was really well done, but it wasn't a surprise to me. I mean, it's funny when you read a story in this, when you see their $400 million in the hole and you think that's all, that's it, only $400 million? Um, Sarge, overall, what were your takeaways from this? I mean, you've reported most of this stuff already. There was one nugget I thought was interesting, and I'm great. I'm guessing you can guess what nugget I thought was interesting because I'm sure you found it interesting as well. Yeah, um, and I, I, you know, we've reported, um, you know, all of it, you know, through like you know piecemeal, and, and you know, every time we get the fiscal year uh, re- reports, you know, we've reported that number on and on and on. But the one thing was the amount of loans that they've given, and again, stuff that we've reported, but all stuff that it was expected that Rutgers is going to have to pay back the, the university's internal bank. You know, that was part of the deal when they, when they took all that money, they're, they're obviously paying back the big 10. That's an obligation. They're not going to be able to, to escape, but the money that they, that, that the university bank was, was giving them, um, Jonathan Holloway, the president of, of Rutgers, you know, acknowledged and went on the record to say, yes, I'm absolutely considering forgiving those loans. So, you know, that was probably the, uh, the biggest news, you know, in, you know, in, in, in the reporting. What's he waiting for? Just do it. Uh, pro- no, I mean, he's, he knows that there's going to be a faction of, of, of faculty uh, who will, you know, and union and, and who will, you know, roast him for it. And, you know, yeah, I, I think it sounded like, you know, he, you know, he, he, he supports athletics enough where he's willing to, to, to take the hit, you know, from a public relations standpoint. And, you know, I, I think at some point he's probably going to forgive it. Interesting stuff. All right. I think uh, for Holloway, it's just he's in a really tough spot because his predecessor, like, just had no idea what the hell he was doing. When it comes to athletics, I mean that's I think that was our thing too. Is that I mean, like, Pat, like, Pat, Hob- Pat Hobbs's quote on on Barchi, like he tiptoed around, but he came very very close to really. I mean, it wasn't complimentary of Barchi, but like he cratches yeah. right, like he. Yeah, that's the thing. Like my, the, I thought the the loan thing was the biggest thing. And look, like if the if the biology department needs to build a new building, Rutgers doesn't say, okay, guys, like go call up your big moneyed scientist booster friends and put get the money together and then you can have the building. So if you're a, you're a major university, you made a decision to go to the big 10. I don't think it's out of the realm of possible of, of reasonableness for them to say, we're going to build a place for the basketball team to practice that because they haven't had one in 90 years. You know, we're going to build a place for the baseball team and the softball team to take batting practice. You know, yes, maybe you don't, Maybe the university doesn't buy the moat around the, the football palace Death Star. You know, if Greg decides he wants a moat to make it like a real Scarlet Knight feel castle. Yeah, we probably don't need to build that. But other than that, I mean, it's a university. Like, they're your students. A lot of them are paying tuition. You know, to, the rate, you know, the amount of applications has skyrocketed the first time Shiano was there. So pay it. But yeah, I, I think that's a big thing. And, and the vibe I got was that Holloway is the guy who's going to say like, you know what, folks, I know you don't like sports. I know you're angry. I made a decision. Deal with it. Which I think is big for Rutgers athletics. First we'll off, they need, they, they need a moat. 
Politi, can you w- w- chime in on that? I mean, what, yeah, what if, what if Penn State well, okay, look, hey, Sarge, Iowa has a moat. If Iowa has a moat, why can't Rutgers have a moat, right? I think that, that's, that's how it works, right? And, and if you have a moat, you better have, a draw, you better have the kind of drawbridge that yes. is going to attract you. You can't, have, you, you can't skimp on the drawbridge at no. that point. As we have yeah, one, top of the line. Really, and if you have a drawbridge, you need you need you need a top line bugler to stand uh, to stand in one of the turrets. Twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. You have to have the kind of archers who can who can hit someone if they try to invade. I think that's an important part of the part of the process. What were we talking about? Um, oh yeah, the uh, I will say one one last thing on the facilities and and uh, you know the idea that they were going to wait until they raised half the money to build that thing. They're not. I mean, my 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 strong senses, and it's just that I felt this way for a long time. But it's going to be very interesting to see what happens if we're two years from now and they still haven't even, you know, scratched, you know, a, a, a small percentage of that. If Greg Shane has been very patient about his his Death Star, uh, if they don't have if they don't have a lot of money there raised for that, and again, based on the history of this place and based on how you know what percentage of the last two buildings they actually fundraised for Sarge. Do you think they're going to raise $75 million? They are not. And I don't know if they would have pre, you know, COVID pandemic, but they, they are not raising 75. Yeah. And it's going to be more than 150 million, by the way, for, for <laughs> more than it's going to be wow. approaching 200. I, I, I have enough people who have like, <laughs> it's going to be more than 150. So if they're going to raise half, it would probably have to be, you know, it would have to be, you know, 90 to a hundred million that they would God. have to raise, but they're not raising that. And, and that's one deep moat right there. That is one impressive yeah. moat. Maybe it'll be like the second death star in return of the Jedi. Like they're building it as they go along, you know, like, like it's half built, you know, you know, that thing. Yeah, that, probably, that was a joke that didn't really hit well. So. <laughs> I liked it. It was good. It was good effort. It's a good try. I didn't see that movie. No, I'm kidding. All right. Uh, and finally, you guys are covering Wimsad like uh, Christ himself has returned. We get it. He's a big recruit. Are we going to beat Syracuse this week? All right. And that's a good transition to our Syracuse preview. Uh, I didn't get a chance to, wit- to watch their mighty victory over Ohio Cratch. Uh, give me, uh, give me the, the basics here about uh, our orange yeah, so they, they you know run the ball extremely well. You know, as we said, Shana, it's sort of like a triple option spread approach. Tommy DeVito, a Jersey kid, is kind of a solid game manager who can beat you with his legs and his arm, although he didn't throw much against Ohio. You know, they've got a talented stable of running backs. Uh, Deuce Chestnut, New Jersey kid, had a big game in his debut on defense. Look, I think – I know you look at Ohio and everyone's like, Ohio is a very good Mac team that has been contending for the Mac title for seems years now. You know, Frank Solich just recently retired, but he really had a good thing going there. They go to bowl games regularly. So that's not a, a win, you know, especially on the road to kind of, you know, dismiss. That's a really good win for Syracuse. And look, you're, it's kind of weird. Like this Rutgers team really hasn't played a road game, a true road game in in two years. And now they're going to a dome. So it's going to be loud. It's going to be indoors. It's something completely different. I mean, I was looking at the roster. I think Patrice Renee, who obviously has been dinged up, didn't play against uh, Temple. He might be the only guy on the roster who's ever played a football game in a dome or been on a team as in a dome as North Carolina, obviously went up there a couple seasons ago, but it's a tough matchup. And I, I, 
Brent Axe from uh, Syracuse.com. It looks like they're going to have a big crowd there. They're expecting a big crowd for their opener. Um, they obviously were at Ohio last week. So I think it's a really tough matchup for Rutgers. And if they can get their run game going, it kind of strikes right to the core of what I think this defense, their weak spot. So I, I'm sticking with my pick. I, I think this is going to be a really tough game for Rutgers to win. All right, let's do the predictions then. Yeah, we were all 1-0 last week, although Sarge did not lay the 13.5 points, uh, so he is 0-1 against the spread. Uh, give me a score, Cratch. What do you, what do you think? I'm going to go Rutgers. Uh... Wait, you're picking Rutgers now? No, I was going to say, I, mis- I misspoke. Uh, I'm picking okay. Syracuse. I'm right. going to go Syracuse 31-27. Okay. Close game, but I think Syracuse pulls it out. What do you think, Sarge? Rutgers 24, Syracuse 17. Wow, low-scoring game, touchdown win for Rutgers. I'm going to go uh, – I think it's going to be easier than both of you think. I'm going to go Rutgers 33, uh, Syracuse 24. I think uh, we, uh, we're we going to see a better performance from Noah Vedral, and that's going to be pretty much uh, what they need to, to, to beat this team. I'm still – I mean, Syracuse was terrible last year, so let's not forget that. Uh, all right. Anything else we want to talk about? We touched on women's soccer a little bit. It's been like a really good fall down there in Piscato. I don't think yeah. people people really should appreciate what's happening already this year. Uh, any signs this is going to change, Cratch, or is this, this is what we're looking at the rest of the fall? No, I think all the fall sports, you know, volleyball obviously has their historic first ever match in the rack coming up this weekend. So, really? you, know, I you going to that? I will, I will not be there, no. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think it's it's a strong fall. I mean, men's and women's soccer, field hockey, definitely have a chance to make the NCAA tournament, contend in the Big Ten. Football, well, you know, we got bowl buzz. There's going to be bowl buzz for a while. And then obviously volleyball, I think, I don't know if they're ready quite yet for the NCAA tournament, but they're, they're obviously making major strides from where they were as recently as a year ago. It's really it, this this the season really does hinge on this game against Syracuse in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, it, it's I know it's overstating it a bit to say that uh, uh, this is the turning point already in week two. But if they win this game, then you're right. You know, like you expect them to beat Delaware at three and zero, and then you've got the bowl, you've got the bowl buzz throughout. Uh, to, until November, essentially. If they lose this one, I think that's going to throw a big bucket of water on everything. And we'll be back next week to, to talk about it. Looking forward to it. Again, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks to Devco. Thanks to all of our Rutgers Insider subscribers. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com insider.